With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend preview. Some fascinating versus Southampton tomorrow, 5.30 kickoff up at James's Park. Joined here by Lee Ryder and Chris Woff. Before we get on to that game, uh, Chris and Lee were one of the uh, selected few to head up to St. James's Park to speak to Lee Charney about the accounts. That's where we'll start. Lee, um, everyone's seen the figures, but I just want to get your kind of, what was Lee Charney's feeling when you walked into the room? What did you sense from him? Was he happy with the numbers that came out? I mean, this, obviously they seem to be satisfied that you know they're now in a position where they are making a profit obviously they should be because they've been in the Premier League a couple of years now and you know they pretty much laid it on the line that while there is money to spend um, they can't go crazy Uh, but you know I think most people have come to the conclusion as 50 or 60 million pound to spend this summer um, perhaps 100 million over the next two windows uh, sorry, two seasons for Rafa. So, yeah, I mean, people have asked for a bit more information, a bit more transparency. They've provided that, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it. That's that's something completely different, but at least they've come to the fore and they've, you know, made the feelings clear and they've, they've put it all down on paper. And now, really, you know, they've, they've said in the statement they want high-quality signings. So, you know, we're all, we're all looking forward to seeing who these high-quality signings will be. Uh, Chris, I mean... One thing that came out of the accounts was the importance of being in the Premier League. And it sounds a bit daft because we all know how important it is. But when you've got the numbers down there, like the, the increase in uh, profit increase from money taken in from the, the TV companies, I mean, Newcastle United have to be in the Premier League. They do. I mean, last summer we had quotes from Charnley such as that it was a it was a bloodbath when they went down. And if you looked at last of them out, they lost the season in the championship because obviously these accounts cover the 2017-18 season so these, this is for last season so Newcastle it is essentially on the Premier League what I would say is that if you look at their position compared to someone like Bournemouth or Brighton they aren't as heavy reliant on that money as say Bournemouth I think it's 90 odd percent of their revenue comes from the Premier League TV money Newcastle is substantially lower but still the fact that that, that the, the wages are so high at Newcastle not comparatively necessarily to other Premier League clubs but just in general and also given the overheads and everything that comes with the Premier League the TV money the commercial revenue you get centrally Newcastle sponsors so deals with Puma and Funny Aid, they also get more money if they're in the Premier League than if they're in the Championship that's the, in all sponsorship deals like that you get higher revenue so yeah it's essential for the club survival that they're in the Premier League but what I would like to stress is that that shouldn't be the be all and end all that they suggestion from the club is that that it isn't that there's a perception that survival is all that Newcastle ever want they insist that isn't the case well hopefully going forward we'll see that that isn't the case and that they show a bit of ambition because that's what it's felt like over the last few years now we need to move forward and it needs to be that yes Premier League survival first and foremost but then beyond that you have to start competing whether it's for a top eight finish whether it's for trophies for whatever it may be most certainly just a quick we'll go over the numbers now just for those who haven't 
um, read them or seen them. It's 18.6 million in profit. Um, they have paid 33 million pound back to Mike Ashley, which leaves 111 million of that kind of long-term loan. Um, the media income rose to 119.6 million. That's up from 79, and there was a hundred. 108% increase in turnover um, from 93 million to 178.5. One of the other notable things was that the wages had come down, so suggests that there is scope for uh, movement this summer. However, when you look at it, it is only scope, and I say only scope of about 7 million, which if you're getting in one, maybe two highly played players, then that's not really going to go all that far. Yeah, and obviously everything's changed as well. You know, the wages have gone up in the last couple of years. The transfer fees have gone up. And Newcastle, traditionally, you know, they don't like paying out big big numbers. So Rondon, obviously his situation is going to come um, to a conclusion at, at some point, one way or another. And, you know, there's talk that he's he will want, a, you know, a big wage to sign for Newcastle permanently. There'll be his last big contract in football with, with him being 29. So if he's going to be asking for 120,000 a week or 130,000 a week whatever it may be will Newcastle put that forward you just get you don't get the feeling they will because they haven't done that in the past um some players will go I think Shelby'll go I think Hayden'll go so that'll clear up some of the wage bill getting rid of Shelby's a, a big earner off the books uh, 90 grand a week so for Shelby to go that it paves the way for someone else to come in um but really the one contract they've got to get sorted is Rafa Benitez. You say that Shelby leaves, you get a big wage packet off, but to have to replace someone of Shelby's ability, it's just going to cost you the same amount of money, if not more, a week to, to do that, isn't it? It'll cost more because, because, as I say, things have moved on in the last couple of years. If you're a top player, and if 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 it's you know some players want to be in London, well, for for whatever reason that is, they they don't want to come to the northeast. Uh, I don't agree with that personally because obviously North East is a fantastic place. You know, most players who come here have gone. Oh, actually, it is brilliant up here. Um, we want to stay here forever. Um, but the reality is, is that initially the, a player from League One or, or Spain, the first choice will be London because that that's what they know, uh, and the London clubs can pay the money. So that means Newcastle have to pay even more for certain players. So that's why you need a manager like Rafa Benitez in the middle of it all to to have something to sell to the player. Uh, that's what he's done with, with some of his signings and um, they're going to need someone with a bit of bit of oomph to do it again this, this summer. Just a point on Shelby though, I accept what you're saying to a degree on quality but at the moment you have a guy who's in £90,000 a week who can't even get in the team. So in that sense it makes a lot of business sense as well. If you can get a reasonable transfer <laughs> fee for him, yeah. you cover those wages off. Hopefully if you bring someone in on the same wages or higher, they in theory are meant to be a first team player. It's someone you would expect on that for that sort of money. Certainly at Newcastle, where he's the highest earner, actually being the first team, and Shelby can't even get in the first eleven at the minute. So, yeah, so it's, it's recycling the resource yeah. in a way, isn't it? So that the ninety, so say you've got a spare sixty thousand plus Shelby goes the ninety thousand. Suddenly you can't pay a top a top striker one hundred thirty grand a week. So Newcastle got to be very clever with the way they do it here because there are limitations with the money they've got. It certainly is. I mean, do you think that we are only one, two good signings away and then one kind of big name, quality signing away from Newcastle fans going, all right, it's not perfect. However, you you know that you bring in this striker and he is getting paid £110,000 a week. He has cost £25 million. And then Newcastle fans, I'm not going to say this, they, they, they start to 
change their mind. I'm like, actually, because we know that's never going to happen um, unless something drastic does occur. But they start to go, right, okay, this is where we can now build and this is where we can now see the future is looking a little bit brighter. Well, if Rafa Benitez is still in charge, I would say yes. There's always going to be some fans who, no matter what Mike Ashley does, then they're always going to be sceptical and cynical because of what's happened in the previous 12 seasons. And you can't really disagree with them having that opinion to a certain extent. But if they can convince Rafa Benitez to stay for a start, well, that would show a certain sea change to a degree because Benitez has already laid out that he believes the club needs to change. The fact that Benitez came in three years ago was a change to a degree. If he stays, commits for however long it may be going forward, well, he's obviously seen at least some compromise from above, then you can hope over time that changes. And yeah, if a few more signings a la Almiron come in, so if you get, say, a few more of of that sort of remit, exciting players, uh, you would would imagine that, that any of these high quality signers that Newcastle United are talking about you would imagine they're going to be under the age of 26 that is probably going to be the proviso of this that Benitez in theory will want uh, the the flexibility to sign experienced players but if he's going to be spending big money very much Newcastle's blueprint is that it's going to be signed under the age of 26 that Almiron sorts of fits so going forward hopefully they're going to be looking to 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 get some of the the top talent that maybe the top six have, have missed out on, or that isn't they're not quite in that top six quality bracket, but they can get in that next level and be competing with the likes of Everton and Wolves, really for those seventh, eighth, ninth positions. I guess Chris makes an, a good point there about Rafa Benitez because whereas you can say, yeah, we made eighteen point six million pound profit, you know, um, the media income's gone up. All these numbers, to many Newcastle United fans, actually mean relatively little anyway. But if Rafa Benitez isn't here in six weeks' time, then uh, or two months' time, it matters even less. Well, that's it. I mean, that is the unless they bring in some somebody unbelievable as boss, um, and it would it would take a big name to follow Rafa Benitez. It'd be a hard act to follow. I've touched on this before. What, what how? how difficult it was when Kevin Keegan left the first time. Kenny Daglish wasn't even a big enough name. I mean, at the time when Daglish first come in, people were excited. He'd won the Premier League with Blackburn. They thought, right, we've got the dream ticket now. Didn't work out that way. Um, Daglish left a very frustrated figure. But to follow Rafa Benitez with the way the political climate is would be a huge act to follow. You, you, You know, you are... You're talking somebody like Jose Mourinho to come in to, to really get people to stand up and take take full notice um, anybody less than that sort of bracket of manager the world class bracket is going to be a big come down and they're going to find it very difficult and I know things would settle down and if they won a few games early in the season and they got a few signings in people you know would, would settle down but why risk it? Well certainly I mean Chris once all the stories came out last night about the accounts um, social media was an interesting place to be. I know. I think Mark Douglas will has already addressed this, and he probably will address it next week in, in, in a podcast. Podcast next week, but you know, accusations of being handpicked, accusations of, of not giving all the information out there through our coverage, um, being accused of, of you know being on on the club's side. It's it's all a bit you know, daft in a way, isn't it? Because that, a, that's not the principles of journalism as a whole. And if people actually read the coverage, um, you know, we've been fair, we've been balanced. But I think it's quite clear that most people on this desk, if not all, there's one man to take this club forward. Yeah, well, I think that one of the big accusations that has been levelled against the club over the last 
decade or so is that they don't communicate often enough and I would certainly level that at them I still don't think they do communicate often enough we had the rare opportunity to go up and speak to Lee Charnley we didn't select who was going to be in the room they they chose who was going to be there so we we got a briefing and sorted uh, a few national journalists and, and a few local radio journalists but that has happened most years previously hasn't you? yeah usually usually, usually around usually around the accounts time so last year I went up as well and so they want to give their position across. They want to show things within the accounts that maybe you do, when you get the the raw figures, you don't necessarily get all the information from that. And because none of us are accountants and none of us pretend to be, we don't necessarily get that. So there's also a financial advisor in the room from the club and they will provide information. Do I agree with everything the club said? Do I agree with the club's position on everything? No, I don't. But we can only portray how it is that they put it across. We, we give them the right of reply we give them the right to speak in their sort of way and then we analyze it and we give our own point of view and fans may disagree Rafa Benitez may disagree with a lot of it but as, as you say as journalists our position is to give across what the club think I, I, I agree with something Mark Douglas has said quite frequently that we as a local newspaper are sort of a critical friend of the club we don't we're not in bed with them in inverted commas sort of speak but at the same time there needs to be a relationship there if you don't engage how are we ever going to get the answers that fans want and um, there was there was a lot of a couple of months ago after a fan had followed Lee Charney with the camera and asked him a lot of questions which Lee Charney didn't answer and we got a lot of stuff on social media saying we should have done that well that's not how journalism works we have to abide by certain rules and regulations and my answer to that would be there were no answers from Lee Charney to that. We, we've got some answers from him on Wednesday. Are they as extensive as we want? Have we got all the answers we want? Are they as clear as we want? No, not yet, but hopefully we're building that over time and, and at some point the club will become more and more engaged because I do think that they need to start building that connection with the fans and the way to do that, in my opinion, is to speak more. Most certainly, but I mean, there is only one man is there in both your eyes to take this club forward. That is... Benitez? Yeah, most certainly. If he gets the backing, then he is the man to, to take the club forward. If he doesn't get the backing and it's a a contract that is kind of made to uh, just to appease things, as in like a 12-month extension with a little bit of money to spend, then... It's no good for anyone that is it's it. It's no good for Rafa, it's no good for the club. So, look, they, they may, it's turned into, surprise, surprise, turned into a soap opera... Yeah, again at Newcastle uh, over something that should have been sorted uh, a long time ago. Newcastle, from their point of view, they claim they've been trying to do this for eighteen months. From Rafa's side, he's not going to commit to anything unless he's got certain assurances. He hasn't had them assurances. He's made it clear it's not. He's not asking for two hundred million. Not even asking for a hundred million. He's asking for a slicker process with transfers, decisions getting an answer out Mike Ashley quicker all things like that that are that they're really frustrating him and um, it is going to come to a head uh, in the very near future well that is the excellent point we'll get on to now the money that is, is supposedly there to spend um, first of all what do you make of Charlie um, and his words about what they've already spent uh, there was a, a pre-agreed budget apparently of 70 million um, plus player sales so it's about fifty-two million pounds worth, and Lee Chan says they've spent ninety percent of that budget. I think that leaves about eleven million, and that'll roll on into into the summer. Um, of course, fans will say, "Well, where's the Mitrovic money gone?" Etc. Etc. Um, what did you make of of Charlie's take on that? Well, I think 
they, they probably spent more than people expected because people have this this theory that they don't spend anything. So they they do obviously spend some money. Um, when Rafa didn't, the key point here is when Rafa didn't sign uh, last summer, and then it got kind of parked the contract situation, and then Rafa was trying to sign certain players, and then there was stories circulating in the press coming from the Ashley camp that why should Mike Ashley give him the money to spend when he's not committing to a contract? So the same ninety percent of the money is being spent. But realistically, is Rafa Benitez going to be looking at it and thinking, but you said that if I'd have signed, I would have had more money to spend. So you just wonder how much money really is in the kitty for them to push on and, and you know make it a success going forward. And also, I think that the one thing you got from the account, which we already knew, but just rubber stamped everything, was that Mike Ashley is not going to put any more money into this football club. He's taken... It's thirty-three million pound of his one hundred and forty-four million he had in the club back, plus the ten million he loaned a, 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 a portion of last season. So, uh, and it, it's made it clear basically that you're living within your means, as he's already said. And these accounts tell you all of that as well, because the club's position is with the turnover and the amount of money we usually spend, we're going to have roughly between forty-five and fifty-five million. That sort of ballpark figure, if these finances continue year and year going forward, for finances. And that's it. There's no. Whereas you look at someone like Everton's accounts or whatever, they've received a big loan from Mashiri. You get into other clubs where the owner puts more money in. That's not going to happen in Newcastle United as long as Mike Ashley is owner. It's funny that it, it gets termed as a loan, isn't it? Because yeah. if you're the owner of a football club, like you, you know, it's like uh, you couldn't loan get a loan to like pay your mortgage off, sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's like that's your responsibility. You've got to pay it, you know, and you've got to put it back in, but. I just think that realistically for for uh, for Rafa, it's frustrating. Uh, the owner, it's great that this club have come out and spoke and Lee Charlie's held the briefings, but the one man everybody wants to hear from is Mike Ashley. The one man everybody wants to interview is Mike Ashley. Unfortunately, he doesn't want to do interviews. Um, he's done a couple with Sky. He's done one with the programme uh, at the start of his, um, of his reign at the club. But really, you know, he's the one who's got the answers. And, you know, if, if he's prepared to pay, what, 90 million for Debenhams, you just wonder what, why isn't he prepared to put a bit more into the club um, and, and go out and get that marquee signing? The answer is probably because he knows that if he does that, then he doesn't see the instant turnaround on, on that money. And really, Newcastle United is one of many of his, you know, business projects and it's probably the one he's most he's least interested in. It's a massive risk, though, isn't it? And I, th- I think we've probably covered this enough times, but as you mentioned, it will go at it again. It is a massive risk for Ashley to take that approach because there's only so long that Benitez is, is going to stay at Newcastle, just surviving relegation. You know, he mentioned it after the Leicester game that he is sick of just surviving. <coughs> he wants to at least be seventh to twelfth every season, and then and then go on from there. But then if Benitez goes. You haven't got a manager of his quality. No disrespect to this squad. If Benitez wasn't in charge right now, Saturday against Southampton, there'd be a lot more riding on that game, wouldn't there? Well, arguably, yeah. I mean, 
the problem is that I just don't think it, Mike Ashley doesn't necessarily see it that way. And I think I think that to be fair on Ashley, it, or certainly the hierarchy at Newcastle United over the last couple of years, the last three years, they've realised the importance of Rafa Benitez to a degree, which is why they want him to stay and why they are trying to convince him to stay. But whether they think he's worth so much as a manager that they have to bend so much in terms of in their own position to make sure he stays and cede to all of his demands is another matter entirely. And there is a, a bit of a stubbornness about the club. I think there is still a, a viewpoint that they were right during the 2015-16 season to a degree. It just didn't quite happen for them that year that the signings they made because they made a profit on so many of them, because some of them are playing for Europe's top clubs, that they were right to a certain degree with that policy and maybe they went a little bit too far with it and that they're not going to bend completely just because there's a manager there who's done very well who's telling them to change. So, yes, he, he will be gambling, but at the same time, this is a man who's gambled before and he will gamble on these things again. He, he's a very stubborn man. He's very set in his ways. And um, I think that the fact that there is a bit of an ego clash between Ashley and Benitez um, themselves has been an issue for the last couple of years. And that's why things haven't been resolved in the time frame they should have been. And I, unfortunately, even if Benitez stays, I still think things will come to a head at some point going forward, as long as Mike Ashley's owner. I mean, I don't. to be honest, I don't think anyone will should be surprised if Ashley goes, you've had your chance and withdrawn it. Yeah. That's it, it's finished. Because he's taken on arguably bigger names within Newcastle United's history. So Kevin Keegan, he was happy to, you know, pull the plug on that one. Uh, Alan Shearer, you don't get any bigger than Shearer and Keegan when it comes to Newcastle United. In world football, Benitez, you don't get any bigger. He will have no problem if, if, if it gets to the point, pulling the plug on the deal. And then that's when it really kicks off. And it'll be in a situation where... He'll look at it and go, well, Newcastle United, we're in the headlines, we're on the back pages. And you just wonder if he's looking at this as you know an opportunity to just to con- keep Newcastle United as his business in the headlines. Oh, certainly. Um, so on that kind of budget that is kind of there for the summer, 100 million over the next two seasons, that's not going to get you a lot of players in. But then it's never really been about the money source because I think you've already kind of referenced it there. Like it's been about... Speeding up the process about getting the players in. It's about Benitez being able to say, look, if I've got 30 million to spend this summer and I want to go and spend 30 million on one player, then I can go and do it. And that's kind of where, what I understand, that's where the stubbornness and that's where the kind of discontent is lying. I mean, I, I was told in January that Rafa, off his own back, had had a deal in place where Hostler would have left the club for it a significant sum of nine or ten million pounds, something like that. Um, and that prov- he had a deal in place with another striker and had that money from Hosselu become available to him, this this striker, top striker from Europe, would have came across here. Uh, and that transaction could have been done, but he didn't get the approval for it. Um, obviously, Hosselu didn't end up going. Um, I, think, I think it was his club in China who wanted to sign him. It probably would have been for the best if Hosselu had gone, uh, and this other striker could have like taken you. It could be safe now, but if this other striker had come in, but he didn't get the opportunity to do it because he was waiting for green lights on on certain situations, and it, and it just didn't happen. So 
a scenario like that, he wants to have more control where he doesn't have to keep going right to the top of the tree, say, please, can I do my job? That kind of attitude. And uh, if you can get that sorted, brilliant. But the way Newcastle have been operating in the last 10 years, you just, it's hard to see it happening, you know? It's hard to see Mike Ashley going, yep, yeah, you, you've got an uh, open book to do what you want. Um, they just don't seem to want to play like that. Because he's proved that he, he could work within tight budget hasn't it? I mean you give him 50 million pounds over a season it's not ideal it's not perfect but he could go out and, and get three four decent enough players to take this club up to the next level yeah he can work within a tight budget I think that long term if he ever really does want to fulfil the ambitions he stresses which is to get make Newcastle a top 8 team and competing for trophies there does need to be greater investment because as well as they've done so far and while I think that uh, other clubs have spent a lot of money very badly I do think that Newcastle at some point to, to really up the quality of player they want to sign they're going to have to start going in the 20, 30, 40 million pound ballpark figure on a regular basis because that's the way the market's going unless the market suddenly starts slowing down then that that's going to have to happen long term I will say that he, he can potentially be supplemented by outgoings now Shelby hopefully if he does go, will they'll get a reasonable amount of money from you'd like to think. But it's about making sure that if they do get that, they can reinvest it quickly and straight away. So the example Lee gives there from January, maybe they were going to get nine million or whatever for Hosselu, but was Benitez going to be able to spend that straight away? So what's the in Benitez's eyes he thinks, Well, why am I letting a player go for that amount of money and I'm not going to be able to replace them right now. He needs to know that if someone leaves, say if Isaac Hayden goes this summer, whatever fee they get for Isaac Hayden, he wants to be able to reinvest to make sure he's got a replacement of at least equal standing, if not better. So it's it's about the it's about the process, it's about the way Newcastle do transfers, it's about the speed of doing transfers and at the moment I don't think he's been overly impressed by what he's seen with all the last three years to say the least. And 30, 30 or 40 million is probably the going rate. For, for, for an average striker I mean the mm. top strikers in Spain and Italy are going to cost you 80 or 90 million at the moment because that's that's the price tag at the minute some of them perhaps even more but because the minute that new Premier League club mm. becomes interested in a player suddenly the, the price rockets up and the Italian clubs and the Spanish clubs they put put extra money on top of it and Newcastle that's the market Newcastle are in and they have to deal with it and yet you have a player who's got 10 goals this season and he's probably going to be available for no more than a price at a price of 20.5 million obviously that's Rondon obviously his wages yeah. agent fees etc but we talk about the market Benitez has proved he can go out there and find these sort of players and you have a proven Premier League goal scorer who wants to join Newcastle who is fitted into Benitez's system and it seems like we're stuck record here but yet again Newcastle United are stumbling on, on, on making this deal, which could prove crucial to Benitez actually signing a new contract. Yeah, I mean, even £20 million for Rondon would be a snip, really, when you consider the, the market. I, I don't know about you. I mean, maybe you get the, the same impression, really, but I just think Newcastle, not frightened isn't the right word, but they're, they're concerned about the huge wage demands of Rondon and his, his management team. Um, the big signing on fee, and then suddenly, twenty million becomes twenty six, twenty seven million. Uh, Mike Ashley doesn't like signing big checks off to agents. Uh, he's been scarred by that from the very start of his. When he took over at Newcastle in two thousand seven, 
a lot of the deals that Allardyce had were already in place and he couldn't he couldn't stop them from happening. So Alan Smith, for example, um coming in from Man United, big fees paid there. He um I think if you remember he had Alan Smith's name on the back of his shirt. I don't know if that was tongue in cheek at the time or not, I don't know. But um obviously he he's he's in his mind he's got a football fans mentality and if a player isn't doing well it's cost a lot of money he won't look at it from like a football management coaching point of view he look at it from a fan's point of view just going oh well he was a flop and uh, you know he had to pay his wages for a long time and I think that that stayed with him and you know as I say if, if Rondon's people start cranking the money up and cranking the demands up you just pull the plug on it, and that's sadly the way it is. And with yet, Ron, well, I was just gonna say with Rondon that the thing I've always thought is there's almost like a fundamental difference in vision from Benitez and the club. So I think that, that the way the club see it as is that for someone of that price, we can get you a 23 year old from somewhere on the continent who, in our eyes, can do the same sort of job. He's got a goal scoring record of 10 to 15 goals a season, can do X, Y, and Z. But for Benitez, it's it's every he identified Rondon as the player he wanted in that team to do a specific role. There are very few players in the way that he wants to play in that sort of price bracket who Benitez believes can do exactly what Rondon's going to do. It's a very specific role that he's got. And I think that there's this difference in idea there. I think the club see it as, but there's so many other strikers that you get for that sort of price for a younger age, more sell-on value, who you can mould it and do that. And Benitez's like, yeah, but Rondon's going to do what I want him to do right now. He's going to be the focal point of my team. And that that is the fundamental difference, I think, there. And I don't think the two sides have come together properly on that yet. I mean, I'll give you an example of the... the where Rafa is on that, um, the Huddersfield game back in December. That was at the time that was a crunch game mm. for Newcastle. I know Huddersfield have gone on and they've they've faded and they've been relegated. But at the time, that was very much an active relegation battle. On that day, I think Rondon had one chance, didn't he? And he and he buried it. Um, you put a twenty-three-year-old in who's come in from Spain or Italy or Portugal or wherever, and they're in that situation. They're having a bit of trouble. You miss that chance. You don't win that game. The momentum changes, and I think that's what Rafa's trying to to get across to to his the powers that be that I need players who can stay cool in certain situations and and get me the win on the day. Um, and at the minute, I just think they're a little bit they're, they're quite far apart on on that agreement. Hence, all the stories this week of waiting two or three weeks for for decisions and answers. Is there a case that Newcastle's policies rather spend five to seven million on a player than one big lump sum, get the goals over two or three seasons, and then you know we'll get the benefits? To be fair, that's not really the club's position. The club's position is actually the opposite. The club want to just make two or three. They they are now they do, but the time when no, Josu came in, that, that's not. To be fair, the position was still the same then, but the issue was that the players they wanted, but the they players they would have sanctioned were different to the ones that Benitez wanted for that sort of price. So in the end, it came to a compromise, and everyone got what nobody wanted essentially, and they ended up signing players like Hosselu at a lower price because they they were the only ones that would sanction of an experienced sort of age at that sort of level but the club have always maintained that they wanted to sign two they've said sign two three players 20 million pound each 23 24 years of age you can go straight into your first team Benitez has a different vision A because he doesn't just want players under the age of 26 he wants more of a, of a blend there he wants experience he also would ideally like two players for every single position which I think is something the club 
would prefer just to have 11 first teamers for example not 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 have a squad but i mean that they would prefer to think right this summer we're going to sign three players they'll definitely go on the first team rather than benitez thinking well i've only got one player who can play it let's just pick a position i've only got one player who can play right back i need someone else who can push him i need i need five six seven players this summer they want it focused on two or three to fit their model benitez wants more variation and that's again a fundamental difference between the two so just, just throw some words out from what Lee Charney said. Younger developments, high quality, uh, to do it sustainably and without risking the financial health of the club. Does that inspire you if you're a fan and you read those words? Is that inspiring? Do you, or do you worry? You read that and I'd, I'd say some would say, well, it's it's not the exact opposite to what Benitez wants, but it's not exactly listed with experience, which is a key demand of what Benitez is after I mean at the minute they're just words high quality what what is high quality is it going to be someone like Joe Linton who comes in from Germany who's who's done okay over there but really would you class him as a marquee signing some fans would say no you know um, I would say it, it's a it's a sign of what's got a lot of prospect and could do well, um, given the right service, given the right sort of management, uh, given the right manager. You know, you look at Rafa, could he bring out the best in him? Yes. Could someone else? It's hard to say. I mean, look at the Mitrovic situation. Mitrovic came in, everyone was absolutely buzzing when Mitrovic signed, and it just didn't work for him. Um, was McLaren the right manager for him? I was told at the time McLaren had nothing to do with Mitrovic coming in. It was very much a Graham Carr situation. That deal was already pretty much done before McLaren even took the reins. And then after that, you know, he went to his board and said, look, I didn't want Mitrovic, get me someone else. And he couldn't sign someone else because there was no money left. So, it look, it's a, it's a tough situation. Um, when you say you're going to get high quality, you've now got to go out and get high quality because you've said it on paper, you've made a pledge... You made a promise to the fans. They've got to go out and do it now. And uh, part of me thinks that this Joe Linton deal may be further down the line than people think. And in terms of when Lee says about being words, actions speak a lot louder than words. If you just go back to the January window, all of us, all of us in this room, including myself, we were very critical with the fact that Almiron deal didn't look like it was going to happen. They were going to eventually they got the deal done, albeit painstakingly long time it took. They maintained that they saved a lot of money because of that. But if they go this summer, A, if Rafa Benitez stays, and then B, they go this summer and make a few signings who really do improve the first team, be they under the age of 26 or over the age of 26, whatever it is, and they put a lot of they put the money they say they have in the resources, then I think everyone, the mood will suddenly change. I'm not saying it'll change dramatically because I've maintained over the, the last decade what Mike Ashley has done before. But the mood changed radically when Almiron did eventually sign. Suddenly there was optimism. Suddenly there's positivity. You've seen the impact he's made into the the way Newcastle play himself. If they can make a couple more signings like that going forward on a regular basis, then that's exactly what everyone wants to see. There may not be the names that we all, the household names in Oregon. Almiron was not a household name in Newcastle or the Premier League before he came across here. He's quickly been... Uh, become a, a firm fans favourite and I think we will see the best of him next season rather than this season but it's about making sure that they identify the right players and that they do improve the team in the right areas and the, the manage, where the manager says they need to improve that's the crucial thing so in a sentence then each just kind of sum up your take on, on the accounts for me it would be very much 
let's watch this space. Oh, I've just written a piece basically saying this that I think that that was the club basically putting out their position during contract talks with Benitez saying these are the red lines we have this is where we've been willing to compromise and this is the situation as it is although they didn't say any of that and they were keen not to talk about Benitez's contract situation I think all the figures you can see all the quotes from Charlie Way said within it about competing in every competition which is different to something they've said before uh, the fact that they seem to, to want to say they're going to give Benitez certain money going forward but then stressing that in certain areas he's going to have to compromise himself. Training ground isn't going to be uh, upgraded anytime soon. Uh, he's not going to be able to just go out and sign experienced players. They're going to want to stick to the model. So I know that's a longer sentence than you wanted, but that would be that was just me trying to explain what I mean by that. Them putting out their position. I mean, just picking up on one of the things you just said there. I mean, competing in every competition. I mean, it's almost an empty promise because that's saying you're going to compete with Manchester City. Man City have already won one cup they're probably going to win the, the FA Cup as well so you've got to look at it and think this is a this is a big statement really on paper you've said you're going to compete in every competition if they get knocked out in the third round after playing seven reserves in the next January you know they haven't delivered and you did just remind us there the training ground um, obviously a lot of fans not happy with the facilities now Lee Charney's come out and made a point that Castle Still won the championship. Uh, players still come to the club. No players turn around and said we're not signing because of the training ground. Um, but you look at it, and it, I mean, it's it's nowhere near the facilities of most teams in the Premier League. It's now, not bad. It's, it's not bad, but it, it it needs upgrading. It yeah does. And the, the interesting point is that he, he Lee Charney has said, "Well, I'd rather spend it on on players." But why can't why can't the club do both? Well, this of, of all of the answers that we got on Wednesday, for me, probably the most unsatisfactory was on, on the training ground. It was something where we had a bit of back and forth for a few minutes talking about it. And there is a there is a there is a acceptance within the club that the training ground long term is something they want to improve. They've said this is twenty fourteen though, when we've had all the plans, and it, there is no promise as to when that will be. Now their argument is that we want to prioritise improving the first team because a we need to make sure a Premier League team going forward and and that's we don't and basically their argument is we don't have the money to be able to go and do the training ground in one big hit and also to improve uh, the player pool. Now, at some stage though, I think they're going to have they're going to have to do that because they are being left behind. You look at the likes of Brighton, Leicester are investing in, in a new training ground. Burnley have got a new training ground. Bournemouth, all these clubs are doing that and. I don't disagree with the point that he made that Newcastle won the championship even though they've got the training ground that they have. The facilities are are good, but they're not the same level and you've always got to be looking for progress going forward. But maybe maybe they could have been even better if they had the training ground. Maybe they could have better medical facilities. Maybe they wouldn't get certain injuries on the training pitch because they, they, they redeveloped the whole thing. Maybe it would just be a better environment for players going forward. They're, every single piece of evidence suggests that the better facilities you have the better your performance is likely to be going forward and yes he may make the argument that no players ever not signed for Newcastle because they've seen the training ground but yeah but maybe someone's seen a training ground elsewhere where they've been in Newcastle and been tempted away because of that I just think that long term this is something that needs to be sorted I understand the club want to work within the means as they say but at some point I think that that's an investment that needs to be made and whether they have to borrow money or the owner has to put money in to do it I think it should be done in the, the not too distant future 
Yeah, I think we would all agree with that. Just a quick word that we're taking uh, Gibbo's Corner out to a live audience. Tickets are £5. It's May the 2nd. That goes to the food bank. You can head over to our website to get all the details and to buy the tickets. Um, for those who don't want to listen to our Southampton preview, you can kindly head off now if you wish but please do remember to like and subscribe I just say that because I feel like what we have just spoken about for the last 45 minutes will go on beyond the Southampton game yeah this is a typical Andrew Musgrove 10 to 15 minute podcast here which we haven't well, even got on to Southampton yet lots lots to talk about we'll make this quick um, Southampton Chris in good form uh, I think they've won four of their last five I think it is off the top of my head um, some good players some decent players Lee and I spoke about them briefly in the podcast earlier this week it's not going to be an easy game for Newcastle it's not I was hoping that this game was going to be a little bit more relaxed for both teams and that I didn't necessarily see Cardiff's result come midweek I still think Newcastle and Southampton are going to be fine but just the fact that Southampton have won is basically keeps it that they're not neither can definitely say they're safe yet so that may, that adds a little bit of pressure to the game particularly Southampton wise because obviously they're closer to the bottom three than Newcastle are um, but I do think it'll be a decent game Southampton will fancy their chances in, in the regard that they will try and push Newcastle high they'll do the big counter press that's like what, that's how Hasenhutl plays but then Newcastle will see it from the point of view that if Southampton press high that suits them because they're going to attack into space they can counter attack quickly so I, I think I think it'll be a decent game as long as the nerves don't, don't get the better of both sides Obviously, with what happened with Cardiff in midweek, I think Brighton are the, the team we need to be concerned about that, though. So it's it's far from a straightforward affair for Newcastle, but I, I do think that they can and will win. A big game for Modi Army. He's running out of games to get that contract mm. um, done and dusted. Benitez said he's under no pressure not to play him. We've seen it at other clubs where um, I think Tony Pulis was referenced, I think maybe earlier this season or last season, where he said, I'm not playing him because... I think it may was Stuart Downey maybe because it, it's going to cost the club a lot of money to to get that extension. Not the case here. He's training well. The army, you know, he's positive. Benitez said. Do you see him coming in into the side? I think there is something going on behind the scenes with the army, and I wrote a while back that he had some big offers there from I think Turkey and Italy. Um, huge, you know, career changing financial offers. And the army, he, he's been a good player for Newcastle, um, steady player. Some some people don't rate him, that, that's fine. Uh, I think I think he's been steady. I think he's done a really good job in the promotion season. I think, he, he, I mean, last season he was fantastic. Last season he hasn't quite hit the heights. The contract thing has come onto the horizon um, around the new year time, and I don't know. I, I I just at the minute I just don't see him being here next season. Whether he's got a final word. To, to say on the pitch we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see but um, Isaac Hayden is in great form at the moment uh, Key seems to have come back into things so I, I think he'll stick with the Hayden and Key and defence Chris do you foresee him four at the back or five I don't think he'll change from what worked against Leicester I think he'll he'll stick the same I thought he was going to switch to a back four in that game I have to be honest going into it I thought that he'd be tempted I think he was doing but he was tempted he'd been thinking about it uh, but it worked it worked excellently against Leicester I know it's a different game and Newcastle at home but I think that I think you'll probably stick with the, the same sort of system I thought those players deserve another chance so I don't really see there being too many changes to the team at all from, from the Leicester win I think it'll probably be the same 11 I, I'd agree with that but of course that does mean 
John Joe Shelby misses out again. Benitez has asked, will he get a chance to, you know, in the last few games of the season? Benitez said, my priority is to win games. Um, when asked about Shelby's uh, chances, fans, you know, on the social media, they want Shelby to play. They see him as this, my man with great ability. But when their team are doing well, Hayden Key have formed a good good partnership. Um, you can't see him come back in the starting eleven on Saturday, can you? I I would be surprised. I really would because he hasn't started a game since November. I think Rafa's made his point with him. Um, whether Rafa felt Shelby should have been fit and available earlier in the season and then he's come back and other players are in better form you know I, I don't know you'd have to ask would love to ask John Joe Shelby that but he, he doesn't speak to her so we can't um, so we've only got to go off what we're told by the manager you say that you were there yesterday you, you say that Rafa was asked will he get a chance in the last few games it would have been very easy for him to say yes he will uh, he didn't so maybe there's the answer uh, your score predictions then we have made this uh, quick but go on Chris your score predictions uh, Newcastle United win 2-1 3-1 there we go Newcastle just to be clear well <laughs> thank you very much for joining us uh, head over to Chronicle Live for all the latest Newcastle United news including the, the live blog uh, bringing you coverage tomorrow and please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you listen through